BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. This will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I really liked. I'd hit a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass. Or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything. You need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want, every day they want it. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are the Horace Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual. My boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Dev Nation? Maxime is not here up front, but I am proud to announce that rejoining us after way too long, a true radio professional with time in college basketball, college football, college baseball, the Canadian Football League, and the NFL, (laughs) a luminary voice within the NBA with more than 34 years of broadcasting experience in the association, a 2013 inductee into the Utica College Pioneer Athletic Hall of Fame, the immediately recognizable voice of the Golden State Warriors, who has watched this franchise grow up since 1995, and the best damn play-by-play announcer I've ever had the pleasure of listening to, Mr. Tim Roy. What's going on, Tim? Not much, not much. That's very nice of you to say that. It, it's been, uh, I'm, I'm truly lucky. I've been working professionally since I was 19, and it's never felt like work. I'm, I'm just blessed to be able to do this every day. So it's really, really fun. 
Let's get a familiar admission out of the way. Every time we have you on, I get way too excited and a little bit nervous. So if I start flubbing things, I apologize in advance. And I'll give you an example. I had a bunch of different versions of this open. I had one that included a man who became familiar with Sister Carmelita's metal ruler in grade school. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I had that. Yeah. yeah we St. Gabriel's uh, uh, school in Windsor, Connecticut. And uh, yeah, they were they were pretty strict there. They the the best story I have of that, though, is that me and two of my buddies um, and our dads volunteered. You know, each one took us one year, sixth, seventh and eighth grade. We'd go see the, the Red Sox home opener. And so by the eighth grade, the nuns caught on, right? So that when they're doing roll call, you know, they didn't even bother. They didn't even bother. So, you know, they said, how was the game? You know, just like that right away. They knew. Oh, well, it was, it was great, sister. Yeah, it's had a couple of hits. Yeah. It's fine. So, so it, it was good. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the back and forth you had with Tom about you know, corporal punishment and and you know, your interactions with those men certainly caught my attention, and I really enjoyed it. MT, it's good to see you, man. We haven't had you for a while. Welcome back, man. Thank you. Good to be back. Yeah, of course. Uh, up, uh, the podcast for the, the home stretch as we get the sixth seed, hopefully. It's the most important yeah. portion. And uh, Tim, I'll give you another admission here. There are guests in my life who I save questions for. You know, we do this mailbag thing and people are nice enough to give us suggestions, but sometimes I will take them and put them off into little categories, hoping they get, we get people back like you. I have a full document of Tim Roy questions. So we are, uh, we are way too prepared for today. But before we get to any of those, we're going to start with a familiar segment. It's called The Glass Half Full. It's where we look back and we talk about things either we liked or we don't like about recent Warriors soup. And I'll go first because I got to get this off my, uh, off my chest here. Last night was the perfect microcosm of this segment. In fact, I think it was the perfect microcosm of the entire season. You know, it was oh, absolutely with all these things I don't like. It had poor defense. It had lazy turnovers. It had Jordan Poole falling down for no reason whatsoever at all. It had them seemingly not caring and me hating my television and ready to just give up. I thought it was the funeral of the dynasty. And then the second half came. And it's all the things we loved. Steph being brilliant. Draymond's using his intangible abilities to be invaluable. Uh, DiVincenzo tip dunks. Loon getting huge offensive rebounds. So what did I like and not like? Everything about last night. You know, I don't know if I've ever loved and hated a game more than, than the range of emotions I went through. So that's, that's how I'll start the bidding. What do you gentlemen have? Well, that's that's right where I was going to go. We, we said that last night on the air that you got the complete warrior experience last night. That was the entire season wrapped up into one. And it's really a reason why they've been hovering around 500. They have been able to put together enough uh, great games. But, uh, yeah, last night was just uh, a total warrior, you know, 2023, 22-23 show. I mean, it just gave you everything that, that this team has gone through all year long. And it took Draymond Green – from having, you know, almost an on-court meltdown to get them to get fired up about it. So it was, uh, it was, it was a remarkable night, fun night for a broadcast. Um, MT, let me ask this follow-up and then to you. And Tim, you and I talked about this before the mics went hot, but let me ask you now. 
you are the consummate professional and you've seen this team have much lower lows than we've had this year, but I'll admit to you, although I've seen those low lows too, this year has just hit me in an emotionally vulnerable spot. Um, I've used this analogy before when they were under Cohan and they lost, it was like watching Mr. Bean fail. You know, it's fine. We didn't have any expectations, but now watching them lose feels like watching uh, James Bond fail. You know, it's like, this is not how it's supposed to be. And it's driving me crazy. For you, are you above this fray or has this been driving you crazy too? Well, I just think that, that you know, last year they had some bad moments too. They, it just got glossed over because they got off to that great start. So, and I, I think what we saw this year was the, the transformation of the bench and you're trying to develop guys and still trying to win and that's a hard thing to do. And so uh, they just, and again, I think every championship teams go through this. You know, the Warriors, well, the core have won four titles. They've been in multiple finals. And it's like that old commercial, you know, where the guys were playing pickup. You know, it's a, I think it was a soda commercial or Gatorade. And the guy goes, what's, what's my motivation? You know, the, and I think that's what the Warriors suffered through a little bit this year. They, what was their motivation? You know, they've done it all. They've already proven themselves to be a dynasty and one of the best, you know, groups of players ever to play in the NBA. You know, now what do they do? So, you know, and they got into this rut on the road, which I could not explain at all. You know, I've never seen a team be third best on defense at home and 28th best on the road. I mean, uh, you know, that's a that's like a CYO stack. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Um, uh, so. So, yeah, I, I you know, it's it, it's it's uh, it's been a challenging season because we've had so many Groundhog Day games. You know, well, we've seen this game. So um, that that's been a little bit of a challenge this year in our broadcasting. That's nice of you to say a little bit of a challenge. MT, what do you got, man? Like or don't? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, glass half empty. What I hate is to your, both of your points. This the emotional toll that that game took on me is just it's <laughs> exhausting. You know, like to your point, I was ready to give up, and it's just like there's no point to even watch the rest of the season. You know, at halftime, and then. The other way around, I'm like, here we go, right to the finals again. So it's just the roller coaster is is taxing. Um, it's maddening. Well, that I do like um, GP2's big defensive moment where he knocked the ball away from Ingram. I think it just highlights, you know, the reason why it was important for him to come back. Um, you know, and however you feel about trading him essentially for Wiseman, I, I think he's showing <clears throat> his value there. Um, and then two other things I didn't, I wasn't aware of until they called it out on the broadcast. One, Clay Thompson has made the most three pointers he ever has in a season, which is amazing. And at this point in his career, I think um, is the a beautiful middle finger to Charles Barkley and everybody else who who wrote him off. Two, and two middle fingers, I think. Also to Kavan Looney being mentioned as a potential candidate for most improved player. I had never even thought of that. You know, and apologies to Loon, Luajuan, but, um, you know, I, I think it's well-deserved. He's leading the league in offensive rebounds, and he gets us so many more second and third chances that are critical when we need them that um, I would love to see him make the top three at minimum and, and be seriously considered to, to win it this year. 
there are few things on earth that suck out my sporting soul faster than an offensive rebound against us, you know, and to watch Loon occasionally do that to the other team is, is so satisfying. And to take your word, Tim, maddening. So last night, one of the reoccurring themes on this show is that I have emotional problems and a bunch of neurosis. And I proved that to everybody last night. I'm watching the game by myself in the back and my wife and my seven-year-old are in the other room and I'm screaming to nobody in particular. I'm by myself. And my daughter comes back and literally says, Daddy, why do you watch this television show? And my reaction was like, I don't know, sweetie. I have no idea. And then, and then after the game, I'm <laughs> celebrating all this stuff. But it's, it's such a unique entertainment experience. I mean, I, I, I watch movies. I watch, I watch all types of content. Nothing brings out the emotion that sports do. Um, but I digress. I'll give you boys one more thing that I liked, and then we'll go to our golden questions. And welcome to Maxime. The other thing that I like is Draymond's ability to create conflict and then play through it. You know, I've heard him talk about in the past, excuse me, that talking and playing at the same time is its own skill set. That not everybody can play through the kind of tension that comes when, when he's out there, you know, shit talking or pushing people around. And so for him to go create conflict and then play through it is like Aquaman forcing everybody to fight him underwater you know he he creates this environment that is advantageous to only him and then uses it to his advantage so that's what i like but let's get to our golden questions tim this is our mailbag um it always deals with the warriors and occasionally gets personal this one's more warriors based and here's our first well, if, they, if any of them ask if i owe them money don't <laughs> <believe>. <laughs> that's actually our first question that's our first question Check right your here mail. Uh, yeah, no. your mail yeah, Jim in Ohio asked Tim, where the hell is my $100? And it's weird. <laughs> exactly. um, quote, there seems to be a fine line between Draymond weaponizing his emotions to help the team and losing control of his emotions and hurting the team. Over the past few years alone, he has been both considered the heart and soul of the franchise and punched one of its rising stars in the face. How does Draymond's fire help this team and do you believe it ever hurts? So I got this one a while back, but it's on the money, right? We, we saw both sides last right. night. Um, so what do you think? You know, you've, you have watched him throughout his entire career. How does it help and does it ever hurt? I think it, it can hurt sometimes when the emotion gets to a point where he takes himself out of a game, you know, whether he gets thrown out or gets a couple of technicals. And, and um, that, that's when it can hurt. Most of the time, it gives this team exactly what it needs, which is a, an edge. You know, it's a it's a team that relies on jump shooting. It's never been an overly physical team, with the exception of maybe when they had Bogut and Azili both yeah. playing at the same time. Um, maybe throwing David West in there too. But so they've they need that edge. They need that fire. And and what he does for them defensively is it's like watching an artist paint a picture because he sees things before they happen. And so he understands what's going to happen and directs the defense accordingly. And so the fire that he brings, which all, I think all great defenders have to have some fire in them to do that. Cause nobody wants to play defense, right? You want to score. Right. So, but Draymond wants to play defense. And so uh, that fire gives the warriors that, that difference maker that they're not just a big scoring team, but they're going to intimidate you a little bit. They're going to be rough and he's going to get, get you out of his game, but by talking to you and, and you're going to talk back and all of a sudden you're more worried about Draymond than you yeah. are about doing your job. And so uh, 
I think I think overall the, the fire helps. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think there's any question about it. I totally agree. I love the idea of viewing him as an artist. Um, there was some video last night of him talking with Gary Payton, the first, you know, the original Gary Payton. And oh, just yeah. continuing that that artist conversation is like Rembrandt talking to Michael uh, Angelo about their art. You know, I'd love to hear what the hell it was that they were batting back and forth. And, and the other part is that, that he, he has a, a level of respect for other players and, and, and players that have preceded him. If you notice in that conversation, Draymond was doing all the listening. Yep. GP GP one yep. was doing all the talk. Yeah. Okay. And so not a surprise there, but but it just shows that Draymond has respect for people that he respects. And so I, I it's an important part of this puzzle. I love that read because you know what I've never seen? A a similar circumstance where Gary Payton was listening. You know, like I've never you've never seen some other person, you know, giving him advice and he was soaking it in. And it shows that Draymond is capable of doing that. I also love the edge thing. I remember, and I, I can't tell you which game it was. I think it was a playoff game, but Bogut got into a scuffle with somebody and pointed to his face and said, hit me. And I remember it it stuck out to me because the Warriors never had edge. We never had anybody like that. We were always kind of the, the person getting bullied as opposed to actually having a bully of our own. And so, yeah, his rookie year, he came off the bench and went nose-to-nose with LeBron in Miami. I think it was his rookie. Right. Might, have been, might have been his second year. Might have been his second year, but it was early in his career. And I was thinking, hey, we got a guy that's not afraid. He's going to stand up to these guys. And the Warriors end up winning the game. I think Draymond won the game like on a, a layup or a putback or something like that. And and to me, that was like, wow, we got something. Because this guy, he, wasn't, he was not backing down from the best player in the game. And I remember as you said, <laughs> Yeah, as you said, you know, same with Bogut, you know, we hadn't had guys like that. And so, at least in a long time. And so, uh, Trayvon was, you know, a big, he was the last piece to the puzzle. When David Lee got hurt in 2014 in preseason, and Trayvon started, we had a preseason game, I think it was down in Ontario against the Lakers, and the ball was moving, bang, bang, bang. And, we're, and all of a sudden, they look up and the scoreboard, the Warriors are up like about 25. And I was like, oh my goodness, I know it's preseason, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> and so, he was that final piece to the whole puzzle. Marcus, do you think he's dirty? And so before we we started this today, I was listening to 95.7, the game, and it was Dan Dibley. And he was saying, look, I think Draymond's dirty. And it, it hit me in a weird place. I, it, it upset me, um, and I wanted to bring it up today. So you've watched him. What do you think, man? Would you describe him as a dirty player? I wouldn't, but um, I think that's because I'm a Warriors fan. I think if it's really hard for me to separate my homer take from him and you know to look out there and – the 29 other fan bases that probably call him dirty for me to say you guys are all wrong is probably a little arrogant on my part. But, um, you know, when I compare him to a player like Dylan Brooks, especially some of the things he's done this season, I don't think Draymond does those same type of tactics and, and moves, which to me are dirty. So I don't think he is. I, I admit it's probably a homer take, but I think he's, um, like Steve Kerr talks about his IQ on the court as a player. And I think that's one of the main things that gets brushed over a lot with Draymond and why he can walk the line so well. If you take away his edge, then he's a tweener that probably isn't in the league. You know, like he needs that. And that's what drives him. That's what makes him who he is, um, is that edge and that spark. Because otherwise, you know, like he doesn't really have a strong offensive game. 
So you need he needs that other part and those other intangibles to make him the player that he is. And when you add that, I mean, when you try to take it away, I, I think it it leaves the shell of a player. So you, you have to yeah, embrace it and let it happen and and take the good with the bad. He was drafted in the second round because of his size, right? I mean, if you look at just the actual tangible things that you can measure, he's a second round player. But, you know, he's a Hall of Famer and a dynasty builder because of that edge. How would you answer that, Tim? Do you, do you view him as dirty? No, I don't think I don't think he's dirty in the sense. I think he's physical and I think he does try to intimidate some people. But, you know, there's a difference between, you know, like last time running into a guy. OK. Yep. And or or hitting a guy while he's in the air. OK, so there's a big difference of that. And I, I don't think Draymond has ever, you know, he hasn't gone after people in, in a malicious way. I think he's doing it to get a hard foul to get his team fired up. I don't think he's going after a, a specific individual um, with maybe the exception of the 13 to 15 Clippers. Uh, but, you know, the um, uh, those were fun days. Uh, the, you know, but I, I think, I think he does, he is very physical and I don't think he's going to back down from anybody from that. So, I wouldn't necessarily say he's dirty, but I would say that he does try to, you know, to to get under your skin and to intimidate you a little bit. And sometimes he does that physically. If, if you have a certain level of success, which Draymond has surpassed after his first title, probably you are no longer in my mind. You're no longer considered dirty. Now you're considered edgy. Now you are historically tough player. Uh, Charles Oakley comes to mind. You know, the, these guys who have used their basketball IQ and their willingness to, you know, be a little bit more physical than the rest of the people to help their team win while staying on the court. You know, uh, Maxine, we haven't heard from you. What do you think, dude? Uh, and so wide open field. You can either give us a glass half full or weigh in on the is Draymond dirty question. Well, I don't know that there's that much more to to advocate for. You know, I'm also, of course, a, a huge Draymond fan and a huge Warriors fan, so I'm not going to go out and say he's dirty. But I, I, I do think that there is, you know, a high IQ player like Draymond is a, very respectful of the game in general, and that's why you see him being so deferent to Gary Payton, the, right, the first. Uh, that there's this understanding that that the game is very important, and I think that's inherently going to make you not a dirty player because. Right, a dirty player, exactly like Tim implied, is the type of person that's going to try to knock somebody out when they're in the air and 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 literally cause damage. Right, try to um, injure a player so that they're not, you know, in, injure somebody who's important so that they're not a part of the game when it really matters. And I think Draymond's above that. You know, I think that he gets really passionate, but it's all in service of basketball as opposed to um, a sort of a win at all cost mentality. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Let me, Tim, show you one more thing on Draymond before we go to this next question. And Maxime, if you have that video, go ahead and uh, light it up. This is a video that made the rounds. Um, and before you hit play, what it's going to show is Draymond screaming at the bench after his fifth foul because he wanted um, the coaching staff to review it. And then Bob Myers coming over and talking him down. And as an overlay, we're going to hear Draymond explain what Myers said and how important he is. Go ahead and hit play, Maxime. Draymond, how important was uh, Bob Myers' voice on the bench? I think it was after that fifth foul and kind of what was his message to keep you locked in on? Uh, it was huge. Uh, he came down and he was like, listen, all right, you proved your point and you may have been right, but if you stay that way, guys are going to follow you. If you turn it around right now and get back in the huddle, guys will follow that. And it was huge. I got back in the huddle. I challenged our guys and, and we went out and boosted the lead even more. So I think, you know, that's that's when you see like, Y'all don't always get to see Bob's worth, you know, and, and um, other than like putting a team together. But he's so important to everything that we do. Like, I I can't imagine. Um, and I know I watch. I know this league like GMs don't keep a post of the team like Bob keeps a post of this team. And maybe two other GMs in the league right there would come down to the bench and say something. And so and, and, and then that's also someone who I. Got it right there. Step on. Tim, this is um, a good transition to a question I've been holding in pocket uh, because one of the things that has bothered me amongst a giant list of things that have bothered me this year is that Myers doesn't resign. So the question I have for you is because you have watched a lot of GMs come through here, not any with the resume that Myers has built. What does Myers add to this team? What value um, has he been able to put on? What you just saw with that clip, which is – He's a guy that that listens to the players, understands their mentality, being a former college player himself and a former player agent. So he understands their psychology and his worth by his communication with the players and with with Steve Kerr is 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 tremendous. It really makes him special. And you could tell by that answer to Draymond that he appreciated the fact that Bob Myers wasn't afraid, wasn't going to. You know, tiptoe around, he came down and told Draymond, hey, here's what you need to do now. We're right, okay, we got that. Now you got to move on because the guys won't follow you if you don't go back in that huddle. Yep. And so uh, that kind of spur-of-the-moment uh, focused mentality is something players really appreciate because they, they understand that, that the general manager has their back. And so I think with all the players over this run, this dynastic run, uh, they've come to appreciate the communication of Bob Myers and the concern he has for them as individuals. And Draymond and Bob Myers have been through a lot. You know, they've been had a lot of long conversations. So uh, I think Draymond really respects it. I think that that's why it happened the way it did last. Night. 
if I am Meyer's agent, I get an envelope, I get the clip I just showed you, I put it in that envelope, and then I put a blank check and I put it in that envelope and I send it over to Joe Lakeham and I say, sign this for Myers immediately. Um, but but jokes aside, are you worried that he hasn't signed yet? I mean, I, I've, I told you, I'm crazy, neurotic. I've been really worried about this. Is it cause for concern? Well, I know. I, I don't think it's a cause for concern because I think um, it'll work out to, the, to both guys' satisfactions. I think the, the, what they're... I think what Bob Myers d- doesn't want to have happen, especially with the way this season has gone, is to have you know his contract be the story we're talking about. Yep. I think he wants the team to be what they're talking. about. So I think they'll get together at the end. And let's face it, you know, they, it's a, it's it's a long time to be in one place. You know, it's very rare that you get people all in one place for this long in professional sports. It just doesn't happen, and so. Uh, you know, who knows, you know, maybe, maybe he wants something different. I don't know, but I, all, all I'm hoping for is it works out to what Bob Myers wants, what Joe Lacob wants and what, you know, what the team wants. I think if that, if it works out that way, then, then we'll all be. Okay. I love the read that he wants them talking about the team, not his contract. I mean, that, that makes yeah. a lot of sense to me and it, it adds some comfort. There's a reason why they're not, you know, it's not front burner because he doesn't want it to be front burner. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. I've, I've got a new segment for you that I'm, it's just burning through me. I keep going to the last page because I want to ask you about it, but I got to ask you this one first. Uh, quote, when the year started, Warriors fans and pundits were positive they were a title contender. 77 games later, the Warriors are in sixth place, half a game out of the play-in, and have the worst road record imaginable. Do you still view this team as a title contender? What do you think, Tim? You know, as we sit here right now. I- I do. I think in a normal year, I would say no, but this is not a normal year. Uh, the West is wide open. Nothing against Denver and Memphis and Sacramento. They've all had great years, but they're not the types of teams that I think you go, well, you know, okay, you, there's no way you can beat them four times in a seven game series. And I think if the Warriors are healthy and playing well, I think they can beat those teams. They can win four games in a seven game series against those teams. You know, will they? I don't know. It's hard to tell with this team this year. You know, they you know, we saw last night, you know, which team's going to show up, the Jekyll or the Hyde? Uh, you know, you don't really know. And so, uh, but I think, I think, again, if they're healthy and if they get, you know, the, their, you know, ducks in a row, if you will, with that old cliche, but uh, I think they have a chance just simply because the West is up for grabs. If you could give them one piece of advice, an, a, players only meeting but you're also in there and you've got their attention for you know five to ten minutes what would you tell them i would say that um you know put everything that's gone on this year with the road record and everything just bury it you know flush it down the toilet whatever that you still have a chance to do something incredibly special yep and uh that that opportunity is right there for you you know even though you know, the basketball gods haven't smiled on them throughout the year, but they've left open this opportunity for you. And I think, you know, there's a chance, again, to, to have this incredible run and, you know, to get the, the rest of the league saying, oh, no, here come the Warriors again. Yep. And so uh, I would say you still have this opportunity and it's right there for you to grab. 
I'd love that. I would then break into the room and add to it. And I would tell them, look, you're never going to have more energy. You're never going to be healthier. You're never going to feel better. You know, this is as good as you're going to feel going forward. This is the best opportunity you have with this version of the dynasty. Strike now. Don't waste a (laughs) moment of this. Not one moment. MT, you got a piece of advice for him? Yeah, I would ask them respectfully to... to be as considerate and as much of a friend and um, just off the court um, support system for Andrew Wiggins as possible and say all that to say, now that that is there, can you please come back? Come back? Because <laughs> that, that to me is the biggest X factor for us repeating, um, you know, Wiggins defense uh, on Luca and throughout the playoffs, especially on Tatum and Brown was you know, in my opinion, one of the main reasons why we got a championship. So, um, you know, it's a thin line. We obviously we want to be respectful of what he's going through and it's bigger than basketball. So um, if there's any point at any time where a player can say, "Okay, we support you and, you know, can you come back for these last, you know, 16 games and, you know, we will make it a sweep if you promise to come back, then I would do that. I just wish they'd stop talking about him. Um, here's a stupid analogy. My wife and I were thinking about going to Hawaii for a while, and then we decided not to go. We canceled the trip. But for a couple of weeks afterwards, she would periodically bring up like, where would you like to go in Hawaii? What restaurants would you want to go? And it's like, stop talking. We're not going. Why talk about it? And so every time they give me a little piece of information, Wiggins is in the building working out every day. Stop telling me that unless he's coming back, I don't need these little nuggets of possibilities. They drive me crazy. I paused there, Tim, hoping that you'd give us, uh, like, actually, I have breaking news, but uh, (laughs) unfortunately, I, unfortunately I don't, but, uh, but I, I I agree that, that Wiggins was, it was a real key, uh, for the Warriors that run last year. Remember they asked him to be a better rebounder too. And he did a great job on the glass in the postseason. Yeah. He's that, he's that final piece because then, you know, look at the progress that Kaminga has made this year on defense. So if you go into the playoffs and you got, or, you know, in the first round, second round series, you got Wiggins, uh, Peyton, Kaminga, Clay. Now you've got a whole arsenal of wing defenders. That that could make you really dangerous. Oh, that's exactly right. Uh, okay, here's the segment I'm excited to tell you about. So the name of it is First Pick, and the idea is pretty easy. I'm going to give you a scenario, and then I want you to use your three-plus decades of experience around the league to pick what person, your first pick, you would go to in that scenario. I'll give you an example, all right? Yep. Your team is down one, five seconds left. Who would you want to pull from all the players you've ever watched? Who would you give the ball to? Steph. Boom. Um, next one. Bad news, Tim. There's been a all misunderstanding, right. and now you have to have a street fight with Marcin Gortat in his prime. The, the Polish hammer is out there ready to come after you. All right. But good news. You don't have to go in alone. You get to pick any player, anybody in, in who you've watched over your career to have your back. Who do you take? Matt Barnes. Oh, let's go. <laughs> Phenomenal answer. Maxime, who would you take there? Who comes into the fight with you? My God, how could it not be Matt Barnes now? That's such a great answer. Uh, based on all the conversations that we just had, though, I think Draymond might be a good one, too. <laughs> why I'm Matt bringing, Barnes, Jim? I'm bringing Gilbert Arenas, and I won't tell you why, but you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cheating. So, 
Let me give you a quick Gilbert story. We are practicing at the University of Miami back in the day. And um, we walk out to the bus after practice. And the bus is parked right by this palm tree that has coconuts in it, right? So uh, we're kind of, you know, goofing around. And a couple of us talk to a Donald Foyle. Say, yeah, what do you think? He goes, oh, Donald shimmies up the tree, comes down, breaks open the coconut, starts drinking some of the coconut milk. I thought Gilbert was going to die. I thought he was just going to keel over. He was so horrified that that Donald went up, got a coconut, started drinking the coconut milk. I, he was just beside himself. He had never even seen that. I don't even think he even heard of coconut milk before that. So it was absolutely insane. Crazy stuff. Also, nothing says you do not have a shot at a title, like your starting center being like, yep, you know what? I'll go ahead and climb up that tree and grab one of those coconuts for you. It doesn't matter if I get hurt in any way, shape, or form. So here we go. I, I need the follow-up. Why Matt Barnes? Why, of, of all the people you've seen, if you've got to be in a fight, what is it about Barnes that makes him the perfect uh, selection? Because I think uh, he he's a real, genuine foxhole guy. I think yeah. he would he'd be the guy that would come to your aid without question. You know, he wouldn't... <laughs> He would he would wait until afterwards and find out all the the you know miniature details about it. But but he, if you were in trouble, Matt would come to your aid. I truly yeah. believe that. I, I, he's a, he's just a, a genuine person, and that's why I really really liked his company when just with the Warriors. That makes yeah. sense. And I was and I was absolutely absolutely thrilled that he came back mm. and got a ring with the Warriors. I thought that was just like that was just like a kind of the official tie in between you know, we believe and, and the current dynastic yeah, run. I thought that was great. And you how, know, it's epitome of a foxhole guy because he didn't even want to accept the ring. Remember? Exactly. Like, yeah. He felt like he didn't contribute enough. You know, yeah, he was like, I wasn't in the foxhole with you guys enough. So I don't want the ring. And Steve Kerr had to talk him into it. So I think that's a great answer. And it kind of shows why, how genuine he is. Well, and I've always kind of disliked Derek Fisher. So Matt Barnes is the perfect guy to throw in this. All right, here's our next scenario, Tim. You are wow. stuck. You are stuck on a 10 hour flight. You got to kill some time. You can pick anybody to be in the seat next to you to be a conversational partner. Who do you pick? The Donald Foyle. Uh, he's, he's, he's the only player that I've ever uh, had the pleasure of being a friend with that would literally come to the back of the plane where the, you know, the broadcasters and the other staff members sit. And he would have the op-ed page of the New York times and he would point to it. So we have to talk about this and we'd sit down. And we'd, <laughs> so he, um, he's, he's just a, a wonderful man. And, uh, you know, he has a world view, you know, he uh, used basketball to help other people. And that that's a really, really cool thing, a really cool attitude. And, and let's face it, he was a you know, he didn't get to play at a time where the Warriors were, were very good. But, you know, he's truly one of the better shot blockers that this franchise has ever had. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I, I had a friend who is um, pretty close with Adonal, so close that he had his wedding at Foyle's house. And we went over there and multiple people went up and, you know, they were just impressed that they were with Adonal, that it was a warrior. And he was so genuine and so nice with every single person who came. He was in his house. He had every excuse to blow people. You know, I don't. I don't want to deal with this. And instead, he made everybody who came up to him feel important. Um, and I'll, I'll always remember that I was one of the people who came up and kissed his ass, and he made me feel important. You know, so shout out to Adonal. Um, here's our next. 
you're on a team with Draymond Green. He's losing his mind, Tim. He is, he's on the other side of that emotional uh, bar we were talking about earlier. But you get to pick anybody to go in and calm him down. Who would it be? Wow, that's a good one. Um, Andre Iguodala. Huh. I think why? I think Andre could. I think Andre would would get to him. I've seen him do it a couple of times, and um, I think he would be a good guy. With a probably a second choice would be David West. Yeah, those would be the two guys. Yeah, and I and because David West did it right when he was like threatening yes. Steve Kerr in the locker room. It was West who who pulled him down, and at the risk of going backwards, D West is the guy I'd pick in my fight. The uh, Marcin Gortat. He he strikes me as the epitome of the not a hold me back guy. You know, he is he is ready to go. Gilbert, by the way, strikes me maybe as a hold me back guy. But you know, you wouldn't need to fight because of uh, what he brings into the locker room on a somewhat. Frequent basis. Here's our last question, Tim. And we're out of the first pick. Quote, Tim has watched the full gamut of Warriors basketball. He called games for Golden State teams with less than 20 wins and watched the slow rise of a dynasty. Ask him if he's had a favorite team, season, or player so far. Wow. Well, the the favorite season, I think, has to be 14-15. You know, when they just exploded and... You know, the rise of a franchise is really the most enjoyable time because it's all brand new yep. and it's new for the fans. It's new for everybody. And it was just so much fun, so exciting. And, you know, uh, you know, when we got to the finals, I remember that uh, just, you know, you, you know, you're thinking, God, I, I never thought the Warriors would win a title. You know, it never <laughs> occurred to me that the Warriors were going to win a title. And here they were, and and so you know, that part would be. And what were the what were the other two components of the question? Player, season? player, and team. Uh well, uh, the player would be would be Steph. He's just the most down to earth guy I've, I've ever met. Most most unassuming, humble superstar that I think prof- professional sports has seen. He's just that kind of guy. You know, as I uh, my joke about him when he first got to us, he's the kind because he looks so young, right? You know, he's the kind of kid, you know, he's the kind of kid you were hoping would come to the door to ask to date your daughter, right? You know, <laughs> like, oh, yes, thank you. You know, that kind of thing. So, because he's just a, such a good guy and, you know, he's, he's, he was, you know, raised well by his parents. And, and So, as far as team goes, um, you know, the, the the championship teams have to be right there. The the We Believe team was special, too. Yeah. Um, you know, my joke about We Believe is that uh, it's as close to I have come flying with that team was as close as I'm ever going to get to being on a real live pirate. You know, you had <laughs> Captain Nelly, you know, you got Baron, you got Stephen Jackson, Matt Barnes, you know, it's like, you, know, you figured we've had like a pirate symbol on the side of the plane. For that. So it's just, you know, uh, what a, what a, what a group of characters, you know, that, that you won't ever find together. But, you know, that first championship team was really good. And, and you know, again, it's hard for me to pick one team because, the other one would be when Durant came. Now, I'll tell you a quick story. We were having training camp. We were down at UC San Diego. And I'm practice. Practice ends. And I was doing some work on the computer. And I was going to go over and see what Steve had to say about practice. And, and look over. And Steve's talking to Jerry West. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. Guy who won the NBA Finals for Chicago with a, a jump shot. And there's Mr. Clutch and a logo, the whole bit, right? And I look, and there's Steph and Clay taking jumpers. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool, too. You know, look at that with all these, all these, you know, star power. And I turn around, and behind me, at the court behind me, 
there's Steve Nash working with Kevin Durant on how to be more efficient curling off a screen. And I'm looking around, going, where have I gone to? What you know, what <laughs> what what bizarro dream world is this? You know, where you you literally have Hall of Famers everywhere you look. It um, yeah, it it really that to me was unbelievable, and, and that's one of the best teams that will ever 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 be assembled. You've come a long way from BJ Armstrong and Bimbo Coles, Tim. Um, you know, yeah. you, you you deserve being able to watch the slow evolution. I really appreciate this. I had a phenomenal time, um, and I'm sure that anyone listening agrees with me. For anybody who needs way more Tim Roy in their life, where do they go? Uh, <laughs> just keep listening on the radio. Uh, or go to soundcloud.com. R.C. Davis will load up some clips every now and then, but uh, – you know, we uh, the, uh, the the journey I've had with the Warriors has been remarkable. And I'm so lucky to work for this fan base because every night when I go to Chase Center, every night when I went to Oracle, I never had to worry about energy. The energy would be there. The fans are, are tremendous. And, you know, all my colleagues say they love coming to the Bay Area to announce because they know it's going to be that kind of atmosphere. And uh, it's this is the greatest uh you know, the other thing I love about our fan base is that, you know, uh, I'm not talking bad about other fan bases, but our our fan base doesn't need the scoreboard to tell them when it's time to chant defense. Our, you know, our fans, they know when a big possession is. They know what a big time in the game is. And so um, so that that part has always been, been so advantageous for me because, you know, you don't have to uh, cover anything up or sugar, sugarcoat it on the broadcast because they know what's good and bad. So it, it's, it's really, again, it's just been a thrill for me to work with this fan base, work with this organization. And, you know, you talk about the lean days. You know, the Warriors are the classic example. It comes from the top. You know, when Joe Lake and Peter Goober, and they stood out there and said, they that's a lonely banner. And, you know, we were, you know, those of us who have been hardened, you know, warrior criminals over the years, they kind of looked up and said, uh, said okay, you know, but, you know, but they, they meant it. And they got it done in a big way. And, uh, you know, this is the, the run of the franchise, and I'm just so thrilled to be a part. I was in that crowd, and I remember when Lakeup said that banner looks lonely. If he had also said, we're going to sign, I don't know, a Yeti in the offseason, I would have been like, that's way more realistic than you guys bringing in more banners. But I'm bearing the lead. Let me say this. Not only a mutual love affair, Tim, it's us who's lucky to have you, not the other way around. I, I'm, I said it in the open. Let me double down on it. I have listened to your voice, man, for decades now. You know, and you have narrated a team that was dog shit and you've narrated a team that was dynastic. And in both instances, I just learned, was entertained. Um, you have been phenomenal throughout my fandom. man. Um, and so I'm sure I speak for everybody listening and even those who aren't. Thank you. Really. Thank you. Um, you are a huge addition to our sporting lives. That's, that's really kind of you to say that. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Of course, it's our pleasure. Um, for us, you want to let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. You can shoot us an email to Huddle, WarriorsHuddle.com. We are also on social media right now. That's Twitter. Um, although I've got a, some announcements that we won't bore Tim with. That'll come next week. With that in mind, go Warriors. And hopefully, we'll see you real soon.
Good, good.